Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. If it's something that you want to do, don't let anyone else tell you that you can't do it. Billy the Kid. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Storybox Podcast. My name is Jay Fansom and I'm your host for this show. Guys, this week we have Billy the Kid Dib on the show with us. He's a, an Australian professional boxer. He held the IBF featherweight title from 2011 to 2013 and the IBO super featherweight title in 2008. His record includes includes a, an amazing 46 wins, 6 losses, and 26 KOs. Now, Billy and I talk about how he got started in in his career doing boxing from the age of 12, going to his local PCYC and appearing in some amateur competitions along the way, to then actually fighting for several titles and holding several titles along the way and his journey. Uh, So we get talking about why he decided to do that in the first place, his processes before stepping in the ring, what's going through his brain, and loads more other interesting things on this episode of the podcast. So I know you guys are going to get a lot out of it. So without me continuing on, let's dive into the story box and hear Billy the Kid Dib's story. So basically, um, uh, when I was uh, 23 years of age, I captured the IBO Super Featherweight World Title, um, only to, to to relinquish that um, maybe you know three or four months after that. And then I moved down in weight and tried to uh, uh, try my hand at capturing another world title in another weight division, and um, and I uh, managed to managed to win. You got me, mate. Got ya. Yeah, it's all good. I managed to win the uh, IBF featherweight world title and defend that on a few few occasions. So that I mean, they're the two major, um, uh, I guess, um, uh, achievements that I've had in boxing. You know, obviously, uh, a lot of people start boxing with the uh, vision of winning a world title. Not many do it. Only a handful do it. And I'm, I'm blessed and um, you know thankful to the Almighty that I was one of them. That's pretty incredible, man. So I'm curious to know how you got started in, in all this. But before we get into like your backstory, history and everything, I do have one question before we dive into that. And is that is, what is your definition of success? Um, my definition of success is hard work. You know what I mean? Because if you're not willing to work hard, you're not going to succeed in anything you do in life. Mm. So obviously no success comes to anybody unless it's been handed down from previous family members who have worked hard to get that success, you know what I mean? So, but in order to have success, um, you got to work hard. If you don't work hard, then you will not achieve any success. Mm. Where do you think that definition came from for you? Was there a period, like a catalyst in your life, or did it change over time? I just, um, you know, from a young age, I, I was so determined and hungry to do to do what I did in boxing. I, um, you know, I remember being a, you know, 12 and 13 year old kid walking around telling everyone I was going to be champion of the world one day. Mm-hmm. I really believed it in my heart that I would do it. 
and obviously I was I was very brash and um, I'm not gonna say cocky, but I was very confident. So I was brash and confident. And I anyone who was willing to hear me out, I'd let them know that I was gonna be champion of the world. So I um, you know, I said I was gonna do it, and I went on and did it, and I'm just happy that I was able to get through it and, and, and achieve those amazing goals. Mm. Like it was an an incredible journey from start to finish. Like being working yourself up to becoming the champion of the world, even though as a thirteen year old you actually said you're going to do it. So that's a pretty incredible feat of achievement, like for you. So how did you get started? Like, did you always want to be a boxer? No, no. Um, no, for me, boxing started um at a young age. I was I was twelve years of age, and it was it only started because it was it was truly by accident. Now, obviously, growing up as a young boy, um. I uh, I remember vividly uh, watching the Rocky movies with my brothers. I had, yeah. I had four older brothers, and we and, and they were into the Rocky movies, so it was just natural for me to watch it with them. And so you know, they my my father used to own a convenience store and used to have boxing gloves. He used to sell the boxing gloves in the store. So I would um you know me and my brothers would put the gloves on and have a little dig at each other. <laughs> you know I didn't have much success at the time because I was only young, but um uh. uh during during schooling and, and things like that, um, we, we used to get picked on a fair bit at school, mm. um, you know, because we obviously came from a, um, uh, you know, for an, Arab, for an Arab background and, you know, people see what's different. And so uh, I think, you know, young kids used to see us with uh, brown hair and dark skin. They used to, you know, feel that we, we were a threat. So mm. we used to get picked on a fair bit. And then my father decided that he thought that it was best that we do after school sports to, um, to battle that, mm. to maybe, um, you know, make friends with these kids outside of school. Um, and then one day um, at the footy field, because I decided to play regularly for a team called Bosco Bulldogs, um, mm. the trainer pulled out some pads and some boxing gloves and um, I uh, put the gloves on right away and started hitting the pads with one of my friends and the trainer saw me doing that and he was like, can you do that again? And I, I did it again. He was like, oh, have you ever boxed before? I said, nah. But I've watched a lot of Rocky movies. <laughs> you know, he's, uh, and he had the truth. I promise you it's a true story. And he then he suggested to me saying, listen, I think you're onto something. You should head down to the Sutherland PCYC and look for a trainer by the name of Rusty Penton. Mm. And I did exactly what he did, what he said. And I went down to the gym and um, that was it. His shoe was in the making, you know. It was um, best thing he was found. And you were 12 years old at the time. I was 12 years old at the time. I remember walking up to the gym uh, on that day with my boxing gloves on, and I had a dollar coin in my um, in my in, my, in the in the uh, in the thumb area of the gloves to pay for my lesson because it was a dollar to do the boxing lesson at the fifty So, you know, I was so keen when I got up there. The trainer was like, "Why got your gloves on already?" I said, "I'm here to fight." And he goes, "Ah, uh, doesn't work like that. You got to learn how to box and skip." Anyway, true story. Not even three weeks later, I was having my first exhibition fight. Wow. Not that I did any good, but I just, I just went, I just wanted to be, I just wanted to get in there and mix it up with somebody. You had that drive and determination to get in the ring. Yeah, it. look, I, I, it just, it just fell into place. It was like that was my calling. You know, I found my calling, and um, from young, like that's why when I go to schools and I, and I talk to young kids, I always tell them that don't let anybody tell you you can't be anything you want to be because. A lot of the kids that I talk to at 12 and 13 and 14, they don't know what they want to do. And I, I always ask the question, what do you want to do in life? Mm. And so I don't know. And I said, well, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. From the minute that I walked into the gym, I knew that that was my destiny. Mm. 
So talking about purpose, like how is someone able to find their purpose? Because you sort of mentioned that it's like young people, they don't really know nowadays, like what they want to do in life. How, what would you sort of recommend or some advice you would give to someone trying to find their own purpose? Yeah, my advice is simple. You know, I mean, like at, at some stage in your life, at a young age, you're going to think, I want to do this or I want to do that. And somebody out there is going to say, no, you're not going to do that. Don't do that. That's silly or whatever it is. Mm. And that's exactly what happened with me. You know, like a lot of my family members were like, yeah, yeah okay, you can box. When I said to them, I'm going to be changing the world, my father was like, oh, look, you know, there's thousands of people out there trying to become champions. What well, makes you think you're going to do it as a dad? Trust me, I'm going to do it. I had a, I had a, I had a vision, you know, and from a young age I had a vision and I started believing in that vision. And You know, I would write things down and um, I would take quotes from wherever I could and I would paste them up on my wall and I turned my, my, my wall in my bedroom into like a boxing shrine mm. of quotes. And, um, you know, one of, one of, one of the uh, things that I did when I fought for the world title um, against Zolani Morali, which is the IBL world title, going back to what you're asking about, you know, how I mentally prepared myself. At a young age, I used to have the letters W-I-N in massive letters on my wall in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. Just win. Simply win. Like at all costs. Whatever it takes, just find a way to win. And when I fought for the world title, before I, um, when I got to the change room, I told him, said, with the sticky tape, with the tape that you take your hand up, said, could you write on the wall, win for me in big letters? Because that's what we're going to do tonight. So I told everybody in the change room that no matter what happens in the ring on that night, if the circumstances get tough, which they did, and if it gets to a point where, you know, you feel like I'm, I'm not doing well, do not do not throw the towel in. Do not pull me out of the fight. Whatever happens, I'm there to win. So we're, we're here. We're in it together as a team, and we're going to do it. And you know what? In the end of it, uh, I think it was maybe round nine or round ten, and Johnny Lewis said to me, he said, Billy, listen, look, no one's going to question your heart if you throw the towel in because the fight was getting really tough. And I said to him, no chance in hell that you dare throw that talent. Mm. I'm going to win this whole title. I'm going to become champion of the world. And that's exactly what I did. Well, wow, that's incredible, man. Like, that's, that's inspirational. Like not giving up. Like, because I know it's very easy. Like it's, it's like almost a cop out to just give up, throw in the towel, yeah, look, away. A lot of people throw the towel in towel in life, you know, but with everything that I've been through in my life, you know, I, I like, I never, I never gave in. I never, I never gave up. No matter the circumstances in life, no matter what happened, no matter what, what went up, on went down. I just stayed steadfast and and focused on the on the goal that that I had set for myself at a young age, and I wasn't going to stop at anything until I got it. Mm. Did that come from your parents? Did it come from mentors? Where do you think that came from? Well, my dad and my mother, they were, you know, they obviously came from overseas, um, you know, in in the seventies. And so, you know, like, um, my mum, my, my father came in the late seventies and my mum came in like, the early eighties, but you know, they, they came with nothing, you know, I mean, they had to work hard. So, you know, and, and we, 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 grown up, you know, we were five boys and one girl and we really didn't have a lot, but we had each other mm. and my dad worked really, really hard in the convenience store to give us everything that we needed. So we we weren't spoiled kids. We were like, we worked hard for what we had. You know, I remember, I can tell you one story that like my father, he, um, he was very, very smart in the way he approached things. Mm. And so, for example, he knew that 
if you wanted something and you're willing to work hard for it, that you would eventually get it. And so, you know, I, I said to my dad one day, I said, Dad, I want to push bike. You know, all my friends have got a push bike and I want one. And he said, okay, there's no problem. We can get you a push bike, but you're going to have to work for it. And I said, well, what do I got to do? He said, listen, you got to cut the grass. You got to, you know, fill up the fridges. You got to do all these things. He said, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to pay you for, for that. I'm going to pay you for that. And I was like, Dad, this going to take me forever. And he goes, no, no. What we're going to do is, how much is the bike? He said, Dad, I think the bike's like $300 or something. He goes, all right. Well, you work, save up $150, and I'll put the other $150 in for you. And what that's going to teach you is responsibility that, okay, you bought the bike, so now you're going to look after it. See, you worked hard for it. He goes, if you didn't work hard for the bike, I'd just buy it for you. You don't care. You leave it outside for the rain. You know, you'll let the rust get and whatever. But now that you know you've worked hard for it, you'll pack it up. You'll put it in, you'll put it in, the, um, in one of the storage rooms, make sure that it doesn't rain on the bike. And, and that's exactly how we grew up. You know, we, we, we really looked after our things and we, we, um, we appreciated what we had. Mm. I like that, man. It's kind of it's very similar to me. Although my parents didn't come from overseas, they, they didn't have much growing up either, like trying to provide for three boys and, like my grandparents, they taught us, and for me as well, I saw my dad working two jobs just to put food on the table, mum working hard as well. And then if we ever wanted something, they always taught us the value of hard work and what that actually means. Yeah. Uh, so they made us mow the lawn and then we go over to our grandparents' place, same deal. Like my grandfather would make us mow the lawn as well and I used to hate it. I used to be like, why am I doing this? Like, yes, I get money at the end of it, but what am I going to do with the money? Like, I don't know what to do with it. Like I didn't have that, like I didn't have anything that I really wanted, but it was that, that principle of you work hard, you get something for it, you know? So. Exactly. And that's, and that's how, that's how I look at my career. You know, I, the hard work paid off, you know, and, and obviously, you know, growing up, I had, I looked at things differently, you know, like for me, for me, like I remember fighting in certain fights and I'll think, uh, you know, when I, Let's just say when I won the world title, the, 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 um, the quote that we had during that world title preparation was, um, you know, uh, just this preparation for a lifetime of happiness because I believe mm-hmm. that, you know, winning a world title is going to bring me a lifetime of happiness and that happiness is going to come through a world title. Goal. And, you know, even though it did bring me really happy times and it does, it, to some extent, see, a lot of people say to me, hey, you're a legend, you're a boxing legend, but I don't, I, I don't really buy into any of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just... I think I'm a regular person who, who, you know, who had a dream and I won a world title. I don't like people say, oh, you're a legend. Because I, I just feel like when people say to me, hey, you're a legend, I, I actually feel a little bit embarrassed because I think it's great fighters like, you know, um, Oscar La Hoya, Shane Mosley, Jeff Fennick, you know, Costas, they were great. They were legends, you know I mean? Yeah, I won a world title or I won two world titles, but, you know, I never, like, I, I, I understand that I achieved great things in boxing, but, like to me, you yeah, maybe young kid looking up to me thinks I'm a legend, but you know I grew up looking up to people like Kostasu, Jeff Fennick, you know um, Anthony Mundine, you know Muhammad Ali, Prince Nassim Ahmed. They were the legends to me, you know. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe maybe I did reach the same feet that they did, but maybe I didn't. I, I'm just not sure how to look at it. People say to me, "You're gonna, you're gonna really understand what you've done in your life when you get a lot older. You'll understand and appreciate what you've done because." Even till now, sometimes I feel like a real underachiever. Mm. Like there was more that I want. Like maybe there's more because you know when you when you win a world title, you know like I won a world title. I was like, wow, oh, I won a champion. I could I could retire another. Day. Then I wanted to win another one. 
then I wanted to win another one, you know, like I just, I feel like it's a never ending. Mm. Yeah, I'm hungry, you know, I mean, I was hungry. And even even though now I'm still active in my career, but there's more important things in life now for me, like my wife, mm. my child. I make sure, like, I need to be in good health to look after my kids and then look after my wife because, you know, without me, they, you know, life would be a struggle for them. And, and you know, mm. just to be selfish, to want more and more and more, but not to think about the others around you, is that, to me, that's very selfish, you know. Mm. You've been giving back a lot. I've been seeing some of your, your recent posts as well. You've been doing a lot of work with Quaden as well. I mean, that, that sort of thing yeah. is... Is, is meaningful. Like it, it makes a big difference to a lot of people when, when they well, see. Yeah. As I said to you, you know, like, like as I said to you, you I, I just feel like, okay, if I've been given this platform and, and, and people do look up to me in some way saying to me, oh, you know, you're, you're a legend and all, well, then I need to show that legendary status and help mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. because, you know, what's the point of having success and having people who look up to you and, and think highly of you, but you don't want to help anybody? Yeah. What kind of what kind of person are you? You know, like I always tell people because I know that one day, you know, I know when I was growing up, you know, that I needed certain things in my life that I looked up to certain people, and I and I wanted to help, and they helped me. You know, people like Oscar De La Hoya, mm. Shane Mosby, Bernard Hopkins, uh, Princess Ahmed, Mike Tyson, Jeff Fennick, Anthony Mundine. You know, these people were the fighters that I looked up to, and they actually helped me. Mm. They helped me in, in some way. They 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 guided me. They they helped me with financial things, which is, you know, what more could you ask for? Mm. So what was one thing, like looking at all those boxes, what was one thing that you took from each person, like the main thing they taught you? Well, from, from uh, you know, from from certain fighters to certain things, you know, and obviously from, uh, you know, I said, oh, yeah, I can name each one of them and the things that are like, I just loved his class, the way he mm. carried himself. You know, um, the way he, um, you know, uh, he, the way he presented himself. So that I took that from him, you know. So I would make sure that when I went to fight, I'd always be in a suit. You know, always have my hair done. Always make sure that my, um, you know, everything was like, my, I was clean shaven. I, I really was very, you know, um, adamant on, on, on being, um, you know, a clean looking fighter. And so then, you know, from, 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 People like Prince Nassim, I took his style, you know, Prince Nassim was somebody that I looked up to as a kid and I took his style, you know, and then, you know, Shane Mosley was another guy that I lived with and I just picked his brain 24-7, you know, he was, had so much boxing knowledge and when I lived with him, I just, I used to ask questions all day and, and I loved it because he would be like, there's no question that you ask, but dumb, just ask whatever you want to ask and I'm happy to answer that. So, and from Anthony Mundine, well, I guess he was one of the most generous that I've met because he... If it weren't for him, then I, I wouldn't have fought for that world title on that night because he was the one who paid the sanctioning fees and he was the one who paid my purse and everything for that wow. for that fight. On um, yeah, it was in two thousand um, two thousand eight on his undercard for Crazy King in Newcastle. Anthony Mundine was kind enough to pay all the fees and everything to help me put that fight together. That's amazing. Why do you think he did that? Well, I I, I was such a fan of his, you know, growing up and in um. You know, I remember first meeting him and we just become really close, you know, and I always, I always message Anthony Mundine, you know, because sometimes I feel like, you know, people are hard on him and, and, and things like that. And I feel like maybe, you know, he's had, he's had a bit of a decline in his career and I always message him just saying, like, they'll never know what you mean to me, mate, and, and what you did for me was just amazing. You know, I, just, I, just, I, I think I've thanked him for what he done for me over a over hundred times because mm-hmm. I just, 
I always message him just letting him know that, mate, I really appreciate you and I, I'll never forget what you did for me. Mm. I think, I guess there's always two sides to a story for any single person. I think nowadays the media, you've got to be very careful with how media sees and takes a story because they, they twist it. Look, Anthony Mundine is, you know, obviously um, I could never be like Anthony Mundine because obviously he, he spoke out about certain things and I'm, that's not in my nature to be like that, but mm. him doing that um, allowed him to earn a lot of money. It's just it's funny because people tune in to see the villain, mm. you know, and they want to see the villain get beat. You know what I mean, so, and and I never I never really wanted to be that kind of person. I, I wanted to be the type of person that people spoke highly of. I wanted to be the type of person that walked down the street and say, "Hey, mate, mm. you're an absolute legend. We love you. You, you know, you're so humble and." That's what. That's how I want to be remembered. I want to be remembered as somebody who's humble and who's willing to help and reach out to those who need to help. Mm, that's good, man. So, some values and and morals that you formed when you were either young or older. So, how have they helped you in boxing? Well, look, you know, growing up, growing up in my home, you know, I grew up in a in a in a, in a home. Um, we we were raised um, were raised as Muslims. Mm. And I'm a uh, I'm a proud Muslim, and um, you know some of the some of the values that it takes from Islam is like kindness and mm. and you know and, and obviously being humble and and, and having humility and, and reaching out and helping others. And growing up, we were taught that by my parents, and and I really feel that I've I've applied that in my life. Mm. I really feel like I've applied that in my life. Of you know, I don't I don't think anyone's ever written a bad thing about me. You know, and I just I've always tried my best to carry myself in the best manner. And um, in at times when I felt that maybe I was, um, you know, maybe veering off track, my brothers would bring me back in line, or you know, my dad would have a talk to me and bring me back in line. So I always tried to stay on that straight path. And just mm. as I said, I had one, I had one goal, and I was going to stop at nothing until I got it. Mm. So going back a bit, you said that I think it was three weeks until you did your first exhibition exhibition match. So how hard was it? Because you're sort of like, you're very green to boxing. How hard was it for you to actually adapt and, and get skill? I was so, I was, I was so green, <laughs> but I was what you called, they used to call me a spoiler. When I was a kid, they used to call me a spoiler because I used to spoil everything. I used to be the <laughs> messiest looking fighter. I used to jump from every angle. I used to come from the left. From the right, I would run around. I was, I was, I, 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 that's what they called me. They called me a spoiler. And to be, to be, uh, you know, you might not know this, but um, in the boxing world, there's a guy by the name, there's a fighter by the name of Tommy Brown, and um, he fought people like Anthony Mundine, and he fought, um, he fought, um, he fought for the world, for a world title. You know, he he fought um, Injing Chief for the world title. Like this, he's he's another kid from Australia who you know. You know, sort of, sort of got up there, but didn't get up there. But anyhow, when I first jumped in a boxing ring, it was against him, and he had over a hundred amateur fights already. Wow! It was an exhibition. Yeah. And and his story, right? So in an exhibition bout, he sort of like he doesn't try to hurt me, but he boxes along. You know. Mm. Well, after having ten amateur fights, and he must have had a hundred and maybe two or hundred and three fights at the time. I remember going fighting in a, in a place called Oakdale in Sydney, in, in, in Australia, yep. in a place called Oakdale. It was a bit far. And uh, when we got to the venue, you weigh in, and then they match you up with a fight. And I had only had 10 fights then, so I was a novice. Mm. 
And, um, well, me and, me and uh, Tommy Brown, we were eating that 51 kilograms. And we, he was, he, I think I was, he, he was like four, three or four years older than me. And, um, yeah, they said, oh, look, there's, yeah, there's only one matchup, you know, for you and your way. And I said, oh, who's that? And it's Tommy Brown. I said, yeah, I'll fight him. I don't care. <laughs> I had 10 fights. And I fought Tommy Brown. And as you know, you know, on the amateur system, they use a point system. Yep. Well, well, Tommy Brown, Tommy Brown beat me by one point. Wow. He beat me by one point. And, like, to me, that was a victory. Because I, like, pushed him to the limits. And I was, I remember the fight. I've got the fight on video of, was swinging punches from left, right, and center, and I just didn't stop throwing punches. I chased him around the ring, and I tried to do everything I could do to win. But I, you know, in a way, it was a big win for me because I, I sort of like was like made my mark. People like, wow, this kid's gonna be the real deal. You know, seeing to do that, that's 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 pretty special. So yeah, I knew I was destined to sign up. For that. Yeah, yeah, I was only I was, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little secret. I started boxing at the age of twelve. Well, the the rule was that you're you're only allowed to fight if you're 14 years of age. Well, I well I well I just um uh photocopied my my um uh, my uh my birth certificate and I changed the date on the birth certificate to make myself 14. So I was a 12 year old 14 fighting 15 and 16 year olds. Wow, <laughs> dude, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, and then, and, then, and then after the fight against um uh, Tommy Brown. Um, the uh, the amateur um, association found out that I had done that. For, I don't know how they found out, but they found out that I had changed the first year. So they banned me from boxing for a year. So I ended up having 113 amateur fights. I had 98 wins and 15 losses. But had they not taken my um, my uh, you know my license to box at the young age mm. for a year, I would have probably had another 30. Odd fights as an amateur, so yeah. I would have probably had another hundred. You know, I would probably had one hundred and fifty or one hundred and thirteen. But everything happens for a reason, though, right? Like, I mean, it's still, yeah, of course, it's course. yeah, that's funny. Of course, yeah, but it was, it was, I mean, it was good times and it's good story to tell. You know, yeah, definitely, man. Like, I know people are gonna love hearing that. <laughs> so yeah. uh-huh. don't don't actually change your first. I was just I, I was so eager, you know. I was so yeah. eager, and I just. Hey, 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 how does a how does a twelve year old think of you know forging his birth certificate and stuff like that? I was just mm. you know. I remember. I, <laughs> I just remember, really yeah. wanted to fight. So That's great, man. I just wanted to fight. So yeah, I yeah. sort of had a similar drive, not in boxing, but I wanted to play cricket. So I wanted to play yeah. uh, with the adults, but I was only twelve. But no one would give me a shot. They used to call me the kid with no fear because they had adults bowling the ball like really, really fast at me. And I still just like I smash it, and I just I just go crazy. I didn't didn't that's, care if it hit me or not. Actually, natural talent, man. Yeah, natural talent. I just I just wanted to play, man. Like I just had that that drive. Like I wanted to be part of something. And then eventually, I got my nice. shot. I was on the I was on the uh, the bench for a good like four or five games, and they put me in out in the field, and I got bowled out <laughs> the first the first ball. And I'm just thinking, well, hey, I got my shot. <laughs> <laughs> I went up against yeah, it, you know. Yeah, so I got there. So it's, it's like the, it's like the journey to to progressing to doing something. It's the main thing because it's what you learn in that process. So I mean, exactly how it is. Yeah. So I did have one question for you, man. It's what does it mean to be a fighter? What does it mean to be a fighter? Mm. 
Uh, well, I mean, you know, I've had to fight through certain things in life, you know, um, you know, through certain tragedies and, and, and um, you know, setbacks. So I'm a, I'm a fighter through and through. Now, to me, if you define a fighter as somebody that doesn't give up, somebody who continues to persevere and, 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 um, and um, you know, just always trying to achieve, no matter what the setback, just always trying to get back up. And, and that's my, my whole thing, that no matter what knocks you down in life, you just got to get back up and keep, keep trying because mm-hmm. if you don't, you just somebody who gave up and walked away. Well, I was never going to be, you know, one, one of those people. Mm-hmm. That's good, man. What's your most meaningful fight that you've ever had? Well, I guess um, the most meaningful fight will, will definitely have to, well, it had to be two of them because those are the two fights that what meant the most to me, which was one against Zorani Morali for the IBO Super World title and then mm. beating Jorge Lafieva for the IBF featherweight crown. That was like a major, major world title at the time and it still is. It's one of the, um, one of the uh, more um, uh, respected world titles. So winning that was definitely the highlight of definitely the highlight of my life and my career. Mm. So what was, what's what's it like? Because I know training is is really strict, rigid. It's tough. So how do you like keep yourself motivated, positive? Is it just you're continuing to look at that goal that you had originally? Well. It's funny you should say that because yesterday I was training and and um and one of the kids that I was training with was like, man, you've achieved everything in boxing. Mm. Like, why do you keep doing it? And I was and I just said, you know, I'm um, I'm just looking. I'm right now. I'm at the stage in my career now where I, you know I've sort of I'm sort of touch and go about it. You know, there's more important things to me in my life, like my wife and my child. But um, I guess I just want to I just want to leave the sport with a marquee fight. With a big fight, you know, I'd love, I love one of the big names like a Leo Santa Cruz or Abner Marez or Carl Frampton, one of those big names in boxing that I like, could just, you know, it's one of those things you either win or you lose. But you know, I, I don't know, I just have a, I had this feeling that I could, I could close it with a bang. Mm. Well, you have, man. <laughs> like you've, you've done quite well. You've knocked out twenty six people. <laughs> so no, I've done okay. You know, I just. I just, yeah, I'm just, I, I'm a, I'm a, um, uh, I'm a very determined individual, you know, I just, mm. I don't, like I said, I, you know, I, I suffered a loss, um, last year to, um, Amir Khan. I, I moved up in weight, like, I'm a featherweight, super featherweight, and I moved up to welterweight to face Amir Khan, which is like, so you got, you got super featherweight, then you got lightweight, like welterweight and welterweight, which is like four divisions between, mm. and, um, the weight difference was just ridiculous, but, it was a challenge for me, you know, I mean, like, you know, something, you know, it was offered to me. I could have turned it down, but I was like, no, nah, I'll do it. You know, I'll, I'll take the chance. Well, after losing that fight, I just really, you know, had to get back on horse and get back in the winning, um, in the winning circle. And I ended up being an undefeated kid from Vietnam by the name of Toa Van Tran. It was a good fight. And I wanted, and I won a 10 round decision to win a, um, to win a version of the WBC crown. Um, with the WBA Asia Pacific, uh, WBC Asia Pacific title which put me back mm-hmm. in the world rankings. So, yeah, I've, I've got this never, never die attitude and I always, you know, push hard and I always try to achieve. And yeah, I guess mm-hmm. that's just how I'm going to always be remembered and or how I always want to be remembered. Mm. 
What's it like when you step, you first stepped into the ring? Um, obviously there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of nerves because, you know, I, when I, when I fight, I, I, I often fight in front of big crowds mm. and a lot of the crowd is there to see me fight. And so when I, when I actually step in the ring, I, um, I, I don't want to let anybody down, you know? And that's why when I'm preparing for a fight, no matter who I'm fighting, I prepare like a man on fire because I, I like, for me, I just feel like if I lose, I give that person a platform to move on to bigger and better things. But, and, and then the, the pressure of what, like, you know, I don't want to let anybody down. So I always work really hard knowing that, you know, my mom and dad are going to be at the fight. My siblings are going to be there and I want to make everyone so proud. So, you know, I train extremely hard knowing that. And so when I get in the ring, you know, even though I have those thoughts in my head, but I always have, I always have the checklist. Did I train hard? Yes, I did. Did I eat correctly? Yes, I did. Did I sleep well? Yes, I did. Did I follow all the rules mm. and prepare for this fight? Yes, I did. Well, I go into the fight confident. You know, when you, when you prepare well, you have the right to be confident and and um, and go out there and, and showcase that. Mm. Like you're meant to be here. You've done all the work. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, you know, you know yourself. You know, if you go into an exam at school and you haven't studied, <laughs> or you're sweating it, you're thinking that you're going to fail. But if you've prepared well and you've studied, you know you're going to pass, so you don't have no problem. Mm. Well, definitely, man. So have there been any, like, challenges apart from boxing, like, outside of outside of the career? There's always, there's always, there's always a lot of challenges in life, you know. There's, there's like, many, many, many challenges in your life that you go through and, and certain things like, you know, losing loved ones and, but, mm. you know, life goes on. We just got to pick up and continue to persevere and move forward because um, I, I don't know if you've seen anybody like, you know, you go, you go, like, for example, you go to a funeral and people are really sad, somebody's passed away, but two weeks later, it seems like everyone's moved on, you know, and mm. that's just how life is. We just got to continue to move forward. That's how we were created um, as a mankind, you know. God created us as a forgetful, as a forgetful nation because if he didn't, we wouldn't be able to get over people's deaths. Mm. You know, we would hold on to things. And, but, you know, God teaches us to heal. We heal and we just move forward. And it takes time to heal. And then once we get to that place of acceptance, then we can move, officially we can move forward. But we've got to get there. Exactly. <laughs> so oh. it's like it's all a journey, man. Like you're, we've always got to go through different stages of our on our journey, different exactly. paths. So... Um, yeah, I agree. If, I definitely. Yeah, if you could go back to when you were twelve years old and tell yourself one thing, what would it be and why? Um, if I could be twelve years old again and go back in time, I, I always say I wish I could turn the clock back and and and, and do certain things in my career a little bit differently. Um, but um, you know, as a twelve-year-old, um, growing up. All I cared about was winning trophies and medals and belts. Mm. Then I got to a certain age when I was professional. All I cared about was obviously winning world titles, but I wanted to make money as well. You know, I mean, and sometimes when you when you let the the thought of money take over, you know, um, it just you know it's, it's a recipe for disaster. You know, and I I feel that my my the time that I spent with Floyd Mayweather and Fifty Cent sort of was a detriment to my career, not a not a positive. And if I could go back to um, my age of soul, I say, if I could tell myself something, I'll say, hey, when you get to the age of 26, you're going to meet 50 Cent and Floyd Malva. Do not sign their contract with them because that's going to mm. be disaster for your career. 
you know, I wish I could do that, but I guess, uh, you know, that's, that's part of, that's a part of my life and my story now. And I guess when I write my book one day, you know, that'll be, that'll be a big part of the book. Is it in the works now? It is actually in the works. I've actually written around 600 pages already, but, wow. um, you know, there's still a lot more to write, probably another 600 pages worth. And then eventually I'll give it to a, uh, a journalist and somebody who will break it down and, and, and maybe put it into 600 pages. But I've written 600 already. I think I've got another 600 to go. So, but I think it's going to be a great book. And then hopefully, um, you know, once, once it does drop and people hear the real story and they, and they, they see the ins and the outs of what really I've done in my life, they'll be really amazed to see how I got through it. Mm, definitely, man. I'll be excited to actually read it. So I'll, I'm going to, okay. one day I'll get a signed copy. <laughs> Can't no, wait, man. No doubt. No doubt. Where did the, where no did the nickname The Kid come from? Like Billy the Kid? Uh, the nickname The Kid comes from, a, uh, from an old sponsor of mine. Um, when I had my first um, professional fight, people knew me as Little Billy did, because ah. there was a there was a few there was a few Billys in the gym, and I was Little Billy because I was the youngest one in the gym. And then after I had my first professional fight, um, one of the sponsors said to me, "Hey, listen, um, come and see me. Come and see me at uh, at my work next week. Better talk to you about a few things." And I went in there, and he just basically said, "Listen, we'd be willing to sponsor you long term over the next couple of years if you change your name." To Billy the Kid, and I was like, "Yeah, let's do it, let's do it." And that was it. That's a great ring to it, man. Billy the Kid. Yeah, for sure. That's mad. Yeah. Lucky you, mate. <laughs> so thank you very much, man. Yeah, you're very welcome, bro. Like, and are you still doing it now? Like, have you retired or? Uh no, I'm still, I'm still, um, I'm still active. I'm semi-active, semi-retired. I'm just, as I said to you, you know, if, if an opportunity opens up for a big fight, I'll take it. But if it doesn't, then I won't involve myself in any more of these low-key fights. I just find the big fights, so they happen or they don't. And if they don't, then I just um, sail off into the sunset and move on to mm. move on to the next phase of my life, which I already have. You know, I've got a little son now who's four months old and needs all my attention. So that's the most important thing in my life, him and my wife, and I just got to concentrate on them. Yeah, that's good, man. So what is like? what is it like being a father? Like a father, yeah. Being a father is something that I've, uh, you know, it's obviously something that I had never previously um, experienced. I am, um, I, I did, I do have, um, you know, fifteen nieces and nephews, so I did have a little bit of that, you know, experience with children, but never the experience of being a father. But I could just say that it's the greatest feeling in the world, and I just pray that every. Every man and woman out there who, who aims to have children, I, I hope that they get to experience this amazing feeling of, of raising a child, just watching this child just go from, you know, from this week to that week is just, mm. you know, every week is just something, something different. It's a, it's a beautiful experience. Mm. Well, hopefully one day I'll have, have a kid and be able to experience it as well. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Um, sure, sure. So, brother, I'm, I am mindful of your time. So, what what are three pieces of advice you could give to someone that is starting out, they're struggling, or needing a boost? Okay, I'll tell you something now. I, I will I will say this to to people: no matter what you want to do in life, whether it's be a lawyer, be a doctor, be a boxer, be a cricket player, whatever it is that you want to do in your life. Have a vision, mm. set that bar high, and, and just work extremely hard for it. No matter what you want to do, don't let anybody tell you that you can't do what you want to do. 
hard work and dedication leads to success. Mm. That's the first one. What was the second one? Um, so struggling and needing a boost. And struggling, we all go through struggles. Mm. We all face a hardship in our life, and that's how life is. If it was, if it was all, if it was all going to be rainbows and we, you know, we would never appreciate things. So, you know, appreciate the struggles and appreciate the highs in your life because no matter how low you are, you'll eventually get back up one day. And you just have that that mindset in your head that through through hard work you can you can you can get out of the rut that you're in. Mm. And then um, I think it was there. Oh, it kind of ties into um, needing a boost as well. I guess needing a boost. Well, I guess, look, for me, um, uh, if you need a boost in your life, most important thing is to surround yourself with positive um, energy. Mm. Be around those who are going to support you, support your vision. Be around those who are, um, you know, going to lift your morale and lift your spirits. Uh, look for quotes that, you know, that are going to bring you up. Don't look at the negativity in life. Mm. Don't be around negative people and just, just try to be happy. Life is very, very short and we're only here for a little bit of time. Just try to make your mark on the world and try to leave people with uh, something to smile about. Mm, that's good, man. Love it. So here's a bit of a fun question. Your favorite film, your favorite actor, and the last movie that you watched. Okay. My favorite my favorite actor, and this cliche just might sound, is Sylvester Stallone. Yep. I thought so. Which is, yeah, he plays more there. My my favorite movies, my favorite franchise, is the Rocky movies. Yep. By far. And what was the other one you said? The last film that you watched. The last film that I watched was um, uh, yesterday, and it was a movie that had Justin Timberlake in it. It was on TV. I think it was called. Hold on one second. Let me scream out to my wife. Barry, <laughs> what was the movie called yesterday on TV? Friends with Benefits. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Funny movie. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Well, bro, one more question for you. What's next for you? Uh, what's next for me is um, uh, either, you know, with this whole coronavirus thing, this coronavirus thing fizzles out, goes away. I land myself in a big fight and and then sail off into the sunset or <laughs> this coronavirus goes away or it doesn't go away and boxing just something that fizzles out of my career and I just sail off into the sunset with my wife and my child and, and just look to, you know, and, you know, obviously inspire other people. Mm, definitely, man. Well, I feel like that's a perfect way to end our conversation. Thank you so much, Billy the Kid, for coming on the Storybox podcast and sharing your incredible journey and story with us. Really appreciate it, mate. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Storybox podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this one, you can do so now over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify just by searching up the Storybox. And if you got something out of this week's episode, please leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts and share it around with your friends and family. Let's start changing people's lives through powerful stories. You can also connect with the Storybox on social media for updates or to send a, a nice message via Instagram and Facebook just by searching up the Storybox. It's that easy. 
Until we dive next week back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget to share your story around. I'll catch you then. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.